On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Listening to the Career Musician Podcast with creator and host Nomad. With 20 plus years of experience in the music industry, Nomad has done just about everything to earn a living as a career musician. From being music director to celebrity artists, playing iconic arenas and stadiums, composing for film and TV, and even playing your average local club gigs, he's done it all. Nomad's mission is to empower musicians across the globe with strategies for a sustainable career while blasting stereotypes and to bring you tried and true wisdom from his colleagues in this crazy business we call music. Welcome to the Career Musician Podcast. Today, I am talking with Kevin Shokan, fellow guitar slinging career musician buddy, and he has been with Jeffrey Osborne, the R&B pop legend, for umpteen years, holding it down. Trust me, this man is super funky. And with credits that read, George Duke, Howard Hewitt, Stephanie Mills, Al Jarreau, Philip Bailey, and George Howard, and the list goes on. Kevin tells us what it really takes to be a career musician out here in LA for the long haul. And today we are here at Show Can Do Inc. Brick and Mortar <laughs> Studios. Because usually I say we're at Nomad's Place, Brick and Mortar. That's my studio, Nomad's Place. I, anyway, know, I know because yeah, of, there you of go. Your, your, uh, So here we this. are, Show Can Do Inc. Studios. <laughs> and let me tell you, it is a sight to behold. I'm going to post the pictures. I love Thank it. Thank you, boss. Kevin Shokan is my brother from another mother, as he was saying. Absolutely. Uh, and we are two funketeers. Yes. Uh, that just with can't deep be history. With deep history, yes. Yes. So Kevin is uh, an amazing guitar player, musician, all around musical being, but even and more you so. as well. Let's not let's let's, let's let's get that in there. Come well, on, man. Hey, hey let's wait. be honest. Inquiring minds stick together. So, <laughs> well, I love and I mean, and I mean that. Yeah, of course, dude. No, I, and and same here. Otherwise, we wouldn't be hanging. So, yeah, of course. Come on. This has been a long time coming, so I'm glad. It has. I'm happy to, it happy has. To man so i yes. hope to get nothing out of this other than sharing knowledge with people that's that's a great concept that's yeah that's what it's about you know? i think and also i think you know it's i think it might be important to officially note that that's an important thing that i think you and i always grew up with that seems nowadays sometimes you have to find that that mm. concept 
you know and so hearing you say that is uh, that's fabulous yeah that's yeah cool. yeah it's like uh, everything is relationship based right yes sir and nowadays with YouTube like we were just talking you can learn anything mm-hmm. and all the studies that show we don't use the full capacity of our brain so uh, in other words if you want to learn how to be a gourmet chef you can if you want to learn how to study law no law you can I fix if, my car if you want to learn how to fix your car you can if you want to learn how to work on guitars like you were talking yeah about. oh yeah absolutely learn new anything is available to you at the click of a button on your right. mobile device or on your computer but it takes away the personal element so back Agreed. in the day we used to be understudies right yeah oh yeah and, and that's how you and i learned mm-hmm. uh, so tell me about how, how the beginnings of your guitar uh you know uh well that's th- that, that that's kind of a that's an interesting a uh, little story. Well, it started about. It was the summer between the sixth and uh, between the first and second grade. I was like six and a half years old. Wow! And I had just started taking some guitar lessons at a local music sh- music store up in Sacramento, which is Northern California. That's where I was born and raised. Uh-huh. My parents are still there, um, and my sister's still there. That summer, you know, this was the days we had no cell phone, no internet, no, you obviously, this was the 60s. <laughs> Ed Sullivan used to, the Ed Sullivan show used to come on every Sunday night and we'd gather around TV and watch it. Love Black it. and white television with no remote. The remote was me with my dad <laughs> hitting me and say, get up and change the channel. So black and white, Ed Sullivan, and it, wouldn't you know, the Beatles came on. And I had already been learning music. I was into music. At, at that age, I knew I wanted to be a guitar player. Honest, this is the honest truth. I, I want to be a guitar player. I, I, I took to it. The only musician in my family was my mother's father, my grandpa Will, who died when I was young. But he was a fiddler in rural Canada and he had the ability to just sit in with any kind of band and just start fiddling away. He didn't he just felt it. Wow. And my mom all my life has been telling me, You're just like your grandpa, you know, so okay, fair enough. So anyway, Beatles came on, I was like, Oh hell girls, nice suits, the whole yeah. ball of wax. <laughs> I'm, I'm now I'm really in. I'm in. So that was probably around the third grade, you know, that was the days of phonographs and records, you know, moving the needle ever so gently to learn that one part, learn that one part. Right. And my thing was George Harrison was kind of my first guitar hero. He was a rhythm guitar player. You know, I wanted to be a rhythm guitar player. You know, right. that was that that was my thing. Later on, by the time I hit maybe sixth, seventh grade, it was James Brown, it was Earth, Wind and Fire, it was Mandrill, it was oh well of course Carlos Santana and Buddy Miles. We Mandrill, that that's a name you have oh, you don't hear all the time. Come on now. I love the funk repertoire, oh, man. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I have Carlos I have and, more. And Buddy Miles, yeah. But but that's I d- d- I don't wanna, you know, make this into a two day thing here. But um, <laughs> so we'll just start with those names. And so, you know, James Brown, two guitar players. Uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, two guitar players. So then it was still moving and learning, moving the needle, learning those little parts. Mm -hmm. But it was picking out who was playing which one and who was playing the other part. You know, separating Mm -hmm. the two and learning those. That's right. But, But also... 
in my mind it was like how are they getting that sound yes. I was I was I was always tone hungry it's like okay then I started learning the difference between a hollow body guitar and a solid body guitar there's between a Strat and a, and a Tele and a Les Paul just because those were the that was that was what was around when I was coming up playing those were the tools. now like we were just discussing it's a wide open field there's there's a million different companies making a Strat type guitar yes or Tele or whatever exactly so um uh, but you know, you and I are rooted in where it came from. That's right. Which I'm happy. I'm happy that in my personal life, I was I was able to grab onto that. Mm. So so fast forward. So then you know, starting seventh eighth grade, I got in a band. <laughs> I was the little white boy with a wah wah pedal, <laughs> with all brothers in their late twenties playing R&B, funk, James Brown, Isaac Hayes. When Shaft came out, I, going back to the record. <laughs> you ate it for breakfast, right? I, I, that first 12 bars, I repeated. If I, oh. you know, if I could, if I had a loop machine back then, I'd have been probably in heaven. Right. So, you know, so that, that was us. So I started working clubs when I was 14 years old. Six, five, six nights a week, and it got to be pretty steady because these guys were older than me. But they were all like brothers to me. They looked out for me. They got me into the club. They made sure I got home, right. you know. And and with my parents, you know, they were they were very, uh, you know, my my parents really trusted them. The only thing my dad said, he was like, "Okay, if I got to kick your ass out of bed to go to school in the morning, this shit is over," <laughs> you know, because I was coming home at you know one thirty, yeah, two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So my whole childhood, I lived at home. I went to school and I made money playing clubs. And back in the mid '60s, you know, that's like being a, you know, that's kind of cool. But uh, which enabled me to start. You know, I didn't need to get an allowance or, or anything. Like, you know, enabled me to right. start putting a little money away for things. Amazing. So thus, I got my first white because I wanted a white, an Olympic white Fender Strat with a maple neck like Jimi Hendrix. So I saved my money. I think I paid probably three hundred fifty dollars for it back then. And if I had had that guitar today, Ugh. I would just, I would, but uh, long story short, it got stolen uh. about 10 years later out of a trunk of a car. Yikes. We'll just leave it at that. Leave it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's then. And then, you know, growing up in the 70s, you know, the club scene, especially up in Northern California, I think it was everywhere, but that's where I was, that's where I was. So, I mean, there was live bands and clubs everywhere, and all we mm. did was just rotate, okay? We play in this club for two weeks, then we move over to this club, and that band would move over to the club we were. It was like a cycle. Wow. So, growing up, I was working probably at least five to eight clubs constantly. It was, it was a great, I'm telling you, it was a great time. Okay, and that is serious, like, real in the field school real life experience school. school so so again so this this brings to the, to the point it's you're not learning it from a video you're no. learning it from interaction social interaction human interaction on a daily basis absolutely and with older musicians who were really good ah. 
right? That's invaluable. And, you can't put a price tag. And by the time I hit high school, I was in stage band and studying music theory. Okay, at so at the same time, best of both worlds, exactly. brilliant. And then music history came in. I knew who Tony Bennett and Frank Sinatra, that's right, and Count Basie and Duke that's Ellington right. were, and Sammy Nestico, Look and, at that. and all of these cats. Matter of fact, we were doing some of their charts in stage band. Right. So, I'm so thankful that. You know, that knowledge is still embedded in me because you know how they make the way the records are made today and stuff. You know, it's a, it's almost a different language, quite honestly. It really is. And, yeah. you know, and, and, I, and I, I certainly don't mind being called old school. Fair enough. Yeah, that's fine. Fair enough. Because it's it's bad as hell. It's killer. It's, it's amazing music. <laughs> it's passion. Well, it's just based on the passion you have for, for you know. For playing music, for, the for being a guitar player, for yes. the craft, absolutely. Yes. Wow. So, you know, I moved to L.A. in 83, I think, 1983. So so by this point, uh, I, there's another term, of course, I've coined that I like to say, uh, the career guitarist. So by this point, with all your club experience, all your schooling and jazz band experience, now you're officially going after the position of career guitarist. Yeah, well, it was it was pretty much kind of, looking back on it now. That's that was my gig because yeah. to this day, and I'm a lot older, as you know. Yeah, well, um, um, don't I, show uh, it. Well, thank you. I, I uh, I've never really had a, a job, right, job right, right, quote unquote. I love it. You know, but at that point, before I came to L.A., you know, I was I was falling into the Chick Corea, Al Demiola, George Duke, mm -hmm. the whole fusion movement, Billy Cobham. Yes. You know, George, oh, George Benson. George Benson, oh. before anybody, before he opened his mouth, back from the Creed Taylor days, I have... The bebop it, stuff he was doing back then, right? Oh, fabulous. Early 70s. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. All the, like, white rap, all that stuff yeah. that he did. And uh, I have boxes. I, I still, to this day, have all my albums in boxes wow. in, in a bedroom in the house there. there there's, like, hundreds of them. Wow. Probably close to 900 of them. And... Um, you know that was that was that was part of my little drug at the time was you know having 20 25 bucks to go to the record store a couple times a month and picking out two to three albums and go. building a collection and but for me that was like textbooks that was I that's what I equated it to that's why I'm gonna learn how these how does Demiola get that tone how was he playing so fast and when I see him you know there's there's yeah. you know I was trying to figure all that shit out Well, that was our YouTube you know, uh, oh, it was, it was yeah. audio tube. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there was no tube element. It was right. just audio. And and, and again, and not to not to harp on this, but the, the there is an advantage with video. There's a huge advantage. Oh, are you kidding? Not only can yeah. you hear it, you see it, and so yeah, that's the disconnect. It can it can be broken then. down so, so much, much better. Yes. Yeah. I mean, had I had that tool. But there again, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna live with what I had because right. of where we're at now. Well, we didn't know any better. This well, that we, and we didn't yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so by the time right by the time I got to L.A., you know, George Duke was a hero of mine. Uh, we were doing George Duke tunes and um, you know and that that kind of thing. And so you know, I get to L.A. and I'm my brother had been here maybe a year and a half before me. And so he said, come on, you got to get down here. And, 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 you know, 
at first I thought, well, short story, I thought the band was going to come with, and, you know, those are the days where you go down and get a deal as a band, and, you sure. know, you'll be rich and famous and all that. Well, come That's, on. Okay. Let's, 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 let's factor in reality. That didn't happen. I came down by myself. Yeah. Those guys are still there. Um, yeah. And I'm sleeping on my brother's couch, and one of my good dear buddies who passed away about five years ago, Robert Brookins, mm. um, I grew up with him. And he at the time was working with George Duke. Robert was a great writer. He wrote some Jeffrey he wrote some stuff for Jeffrey Osborne. I don't know if you know this. I did not. But Robert was a great writer at the time. He was doing stuff for Stephanie Mills, Philip Bailey. Needless to say, he introduced me to all of them over the years. And the first one he introduced me to was George Duke. He said, Come by George's house. He's letting me use the studio so I can cut demos at night. I want you to play guitar on them. Just show up like around 6 p.m., you know. And so I go, George was the first place, you know, home I was at where the whole bottom of the house was like a real commercially rigged studio. There was a live room. There was a control room. There was an office. There was a lounge. This is all on the bottom level of his house, probably an old basement or something. That they, he had a 10-foot Bossendorfer Grand sitting in there, drum kits. I mean, it was a really full-blown studio. Real deal, yeah. So, you know, in my mind, I'm going, geez, I'm pulling up to George Duke's driveway. He's already gone for the day. He's upstairs as me and Robert and Eric Zobler, his engineer. You know, Eric, you uh, you might know who know him. He he's done so much stuff as an engineer. Wow. So anyway, long long story short, yet again, you know, I'm sitting there. Day we're we're tracking Robert's stuff, and you know, I'm basically just going direct to the board just to get some stuff down. And I'm sitting there just daydreaming. God, wouldn't it be great if George comes downstairs and hears what we're doing? <laughs> well, what the hell happens? Probably within the next half hour, I hear this voice. Hey man, what's going on? You know, George Duke, right? right? And I'm like, holy shit, you know. And um, so he comes in, he's listening to stuff, and he, he's, he's grooving. He ends up staying down there for a while, you know. And uh, so then another daydream pops in my head. I was like, God, I wonder if he'll, wouldn't it be great if he like, wanted me to come back? <laughs> so at the end of the night George comes back down to lock everything up we're, we're hauling our gear out of there and leaving he goes hey Kevin man want, you got a, a number or a business card you can leave with me I want to use you on some sessions I about pissed myself I mean honestly and how old were you? I was at the time about 22 and this is the way it happens man that's, that's I mean, the way that's, and that that's... turned into almost 10 years of work Incredible, With, because at the time George Incredible. was establishing himself as a as a producer. He was doing all the Jeffrey stuff, amongst others. Right. He was producing Japanese artists, wow. um, and he was huge in Japan. Thus, my first forays into going to Japan. I, I was going to Japan at times two, three times a year for extended periods. Wow. To work with George. To work with George. In the studio context? Live oh, live tours, shows. Oh, we did we did the very for his we, stuff. Yeah, we did the very first Japan aid over there, which at the time was like farm aid here. Wow. And it's still going on. And um so yeah, so that led to a lot of stuff. And then, you know, that's how I met Philip Bailey, who I worked with for years on his solo stuff. And other other folks, you know, and then I got a call about through uh, through another musician friend of mine, Mark Stevens, fabulous keyboard course, player. Yeah, you know yeah. Mark. Yeah. He said, "Listen, man, Diana's Diana Ross is auditioning guitar players. 
and I'm going to drop your name in a hat. I can't make any guarantees. Well, Mark must have pulled some strings because they auditioned 29 guitar players and couldn't make up their minds. So I was number 30. And now at the time, you got to understand there were people like Mike Miller. I even think Paul Jackson auditioned uh, just, you know, some of the top. You know, I've been in L.A. long enough to know who the who the the good guitar players were that were working yeah. a lot playing on records you know their name people knew the name yeah you know might not know the face but they know the name right and i'm like going jeez man i pull up in my little toyota with a fender twin and that salmon pink strat right there i'll never forget it oh and wow i pull I, you <laughs> know i pictures. didn't really have much of a pedal board i think i had a boss overdrive pedal and a wah-wah pedal and everything else was and they put some charts on a stand there was like four or five of them and they said okay and right on the chart I'll never forget this right on the chart like some of them had said at the top it just, they just had you know on a guitar chart sometimes you just see 16th note chop slanted lines sure. and it just says you know F minor play in a funky chank style yeah, or skanky yeah, skanky yeah, yeah. or chanky yeah, yeah. and you know when I grew up you know being a skanker was True. that was a style right yeah. so I saw that. I, I, I saw bro. that. I was like, okay, okay, I understand See? exactly what they mean. Guitar language, bro. Oh no, and and so I, I you know, we did. We I think that one of the first tunes we did was something, one of a classic old R and B Motown thing called the Boss, and it's just yeah. straight up rhythm, yeah. straight sound guitar, and you know, holding it down, just and just just stroking all the way through, skanking all the way through, and you know, they uh, before we got started, they said, well, we're just we're not going to play the whole chart, so just we just want to get a feel. Okay. Well, you. You know we got to the end of the chart and you know and then they stopped and they said okay let's do the next one i was like oh shit That's you know so that sign. little that little yeah. that little bonfire in my gut started to yeah. ignite and we, we got through all five charts and we played the whole every single one of them Wow. And uh, I remember two of them had some, like, like, I think Mirror Mirror was one of them, where it was kind of a rock-style guitar solo, but heavy rhythm. That I think that's Nile Rodgers, wow. who was another hero of mine. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, matter of fact, at that time when they were auditioning, this was 1989, I remember it vividly, Nile had just produced a album on Diana Ross called Working Overtime, and it was getting some play. So anyway, so we did some of that, and I, I packed up my shit, and I was like, okay, well, that was fun. I really got an eyeful. You know, it was at SIR down in Hollywood, Hollywood there, and, you know, I mean, you know, all the cats were rehearsing in the other rooms. It was like rock and roll heaven. I think Bon Jovi was down the hall somewhere or something, so I was like, shit, I don't want to leave. I'll, I'll sleep here tonight, <laughs> you know. I was in heaven. That's yeah. all I could say. So a couple days later, the phone rings, and they said... You got the gig, and here's what's going on. Uh, we're going to do a world tour, and it's going to take nine months of your time. Kevin. <laughs> I was like, really? Okay. He said, we're going to send you. I, I was just trying to be, I was trying to hold my pee in. Yeah, is what, you know. as cool as possible. And, yeah. And they said, well, we're going to send you these, these contracts and things. Just look them over, sign them, and send them back. I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds great. And I hung up the phone, and I, I, I think I broke down in tears or something. I don't know. Yeah. Because... Then, you know, I was still scratching my around, way around doing clubs. I also was doing a lot of sessions with George and stuff, but to go on tour was actually a, a dream of mine to just yeah. go to other places, let alone around the friggin' world. Right. And to be paid well. doing what you love well 
It bought this place. Is look at yeah. that. And that was twenty three years of her, and I was her musical director for the last like eighteen years of it. Twenty three years music mm-hmm. director. I stopped. Years. Yeah, and I stopped. I stopped it. Let's see, was it two thousand eighteen? I stopped it in two thousand, late two thousand ten. Kevin, know. this is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you so bad about this podcast because you understand the concept of not only getting a gig but keeping a gig. And oh, there's yeah, there's, there's things about that. And we're going to dig into that in a minute. Yeah, oh, Man, yeah. What an amazing story. Sorry to be so long-winded. No, 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 please. And and this is how you know Mike Droke so well from this I association, got, <laughs> right? Well, truth be known, I pulled him on the Diana gig. Beautiful. Cuz he worked okay. with us with Jeffrey Osborne, Great. who I'm still with. Absolutely. And um and and I you know, she was looking for a tour manager, road manager, front of house guy. That was the time where they were kind of getting one guy that can wear all those hats. Yeah. And so I I got Mike on the gig. That's beautiful. And he's been there ever since. Stroke, we love you. Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so Hey Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on getting real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well... I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Man, okay, incredible. I'm just enamored by that. All right, so now, so now you've already established yourself in LA as kind of a, a, a session guy. You might not be the A-lister yet, but you're doing some sessions with George. Oh, Duke. I was never, I was never an A-lister. Yeah, but no, that's, no. but but I didn't mind. A-list company. I was so, just, I was just so, happy to be a guitar player and but, waking up every day. <laughs> amen to that. But check it out. As we know, in, in, in marketing, uh, you know, look, if you could put it on your resume and it's legit, it's there, man. You work with yes. George Duke in the studio. Yes. So you're doing some studio work. You're still doing some clubs. You're touring with George in Japan. Then you get this nine-month world tour. The first one, yeah. With Diana Ross. Right. You kept the gig for 23 years. You were her MD for 18 years. I mean, right. the podcast could end right here and we'd be done. Right. Like, so, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, but, I mean, okay. So now, if instead of going through uh, more stories, I just want to ask you some pointed questions. Sure. Please so, do. So, number one, you're going on tour and you're green. You haven't been on tour yet. Yes. What's the first thing you do to prepare? And do you have any mentors that you reach out to? Okay. The first thing to prepare, and I remember I was, and I don't ask me where this came from, but I always remembered, maybe, I think it might have came from my father, but 
he was always the one that told me, he said, if you do anything, learn how to carry yourself and carry yourself well. And don't piss anybody off. Okay? Just don't Simple piss enough. anybody off. And, you know, you're taking flights with the same group of people. And, you know, in back in those days, her tours were a machine. There was 40, 45 people moving all at once. Right. You know? Um, probably five to six tour buses, four trucks. So it was a machine. Wow. So you're basically living together for extent, you know, four, five, six weeks at a time. Come home for two weeks and then go back out and do sure. this for a whole freaking year. Yeah. And then start over the next year. So, um, so one of the things, uh, I hope this answers the, the, the question, but one of the things is you got to be able to fit into the landscape it, uh, not only you know playing is important let's let's not forget you don't you don't you want to have that covered but if you're going to take it beyond the playing you got to learn you know some guys are really great players but you know they they're not that social or you, right. know, you might get the wrong idea because you think he's pissed off at you but he's just a quiet he's person quiet. you know or you know um complaining dark cloud type stuff for me was always a thing it's just like I was thrilled to be there and then quite honestly there would be people around and I won't say whether they were crew or band it was just people around that I'm traveling with that are you know this I, I, I felt that they were finding things to complain about right when you know I told my dad what I was making a week and he was going you know that's like a six month salary for some of us normal yeah, jokes, working. you know, and he would be like, you're doing it playing guitar. So he said, don't listen to those guys, because I, I, I had to, my uh, parents, I had to ground myself to yes. just try to try to play that mm. properly. So I think that was that's a thing to wrap your head around. And like I said, we've talked enough about music to we, we already know, you know. Yes, musically, you, you have to be, you know, if they want a, a, a strong rhythm player, if it's R&B stuff, yes, you, you're going to need that. If As, they want a jazz yes. Olympian, you got to be able you, to be you, a then, then that's yeah. what you do. But you have look, to be a motherfucker, as the old cats put it. Uh, you know, yeah. He's a motherfucker. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah. He's a heavy cat. <laughs> yeah. And, but learning where to place that, I think, is important. Right. You know? So, because it's not the only element to the gig. Right. Because we're talking about making a living at this ah. and working you, you see what I'm saying I'm knocking on wood here because these yeah. affirmations are amazing yeah well it, it's I, I like I said I'm old enough now to know them to be true you know I mean I I used to see some cats get the gig and then I'd, I'd hover around with some of the other musicians and, and then there'd be little minor grumblings about I don't know how he got this gig he's not that good but then, and then I just kind of soaked that in, and then later on, after we had some time on the road and stuff, I'm going, okay, I see how this guy got the gig, because he's a pleasure Smart. to be around. There you go. You know what I mean? He's a good person. And and you know he he's got he's got a little rapport and juice with the artist. You know, I mean, let's face it, some of these artists, you know, you might be traveling with them, but they they don't want to talk to any of the musicians or, or right. they won't they you know they talk to enough people let's put it that way they, they don't need friends no the, the reality is no. you are there to do a job not right. to be their friend right so right. i was like okay well that's of course that's why he's on the gig is because yes. you know he can open his mouth and have a conversation with you yes y you know and that's important uh, honestly so important 
You know, I've been with Jeffrey Osborne now for 23 years. It's been the same band pretty much the whole time. That that unit is a bunch of motherfuckers that have been around each other a long, long time. time. And we just roll into sound check. We do what we got to do. And we all sit down and have fucking dinner together. And have dinner and hang out and have a great Still to this day. We always eat together. Oh. We hang out on the road together. We come to, we come home at baggage claim. We get our bags. Okay, man, I'll see you uh, see whenever you the next yeah, date yeah. is. Say hi to mom or whatever. Yeah. You know, and and uh, you know, and and there's something to be said for that. That's a, a familial a camaraderie that you don't find in other jobs. Right? It's a gift. Yes, yes. It, it, it's. A, I look at it as a gift. Yes. All right, folks, <laughs> especially for the, my, my younger generations who are wondering how to get into the touring world and how to do this, it's relationship-based. And what Kevin said, that's, that should be your paradigm. It's a gift. Because as your father told you and my father told me the same to this mm -hmm, day, mm -hmm. be grateful for Absolutely. what you have. Because Absolutely. my dad would always put it like, you could be out there digging a ditch. Oh, that and guess like what? my dad. <laughs> There's people... Digging ditches when you drive down the street, you're like, yeah. "Wow, well, th I'm not doing that," you know. Right. So, and and I think that if you keep that at the top, that you're grateful t for this position, if you keep that at the top of your mind on a daily basis, the rumblings, the grumblings, the complaints will will literally go away. Yeah, and and not only that, you just learn how to navigate around it because you know some things you just can't stop. You so have to you be just, a problem solver. Well, yeah. yeah. And you just, like my, like my old man said, you know, learn how to carry yourself and just look yes. beyond that and fit in. Yes. Go seek and go fit in. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I've become somewhat, I think we all have in this business, we've become somewhat of logistics experts. Oh, yeah. Uh, because yeah. although when you, do, when you do go on tour, although you have tour managers, road managers, a lot of times um, you're on your own. Because the tour manager can't be everywhere at once. No, he's always busy. They're, they're always busy. They're always and and secondly, you're an adult. Yeah. So <laughs> figure it out, right? Yeah. You know, and so I, I get exactly what you're talking about. Man, so fit in with the landscape. Learn how to be, you know, a, a social a cool hang. 23, here's the thing. So let me clarify. Mm -hmm. 23 years with Diana, 23 years with Jeffrey. Uh, I'm going on 23 years with Jeffrey. So the, one, the one thing is... Amazing. I, you know, you know how we are as musicians. We always want to be working. Diane would yes. have downtime, so I, right. I was lucky enough to get other things. I mean, yeah. I could tell you some other artists I work with, but we don't need to go there. No, it's no, of like, course I want to hear about. Uh, I toured with Shaka for five years Shaka. in the nineties. Uh, Philip Bailey for nine years, off and on. Uh, George Duke, of course, and even even after I got the Diana gig, he called me for some things. We'd go to Japan for a couple weeks. And, yeah, you know, so I, I managed. Thank you, Lord. To yeah to stay working so that's how when you hear the same amount of years with two different people yeah. it's not at the same time obviously no of course because there are holes but so they dovetail one them. another yeah. yes absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely no, but, okay but this is the this is the amazing part of it man what is your secret in addition to what you just divulged to keeping the now you talked about fitting with the landscape in a social context and, and keeping right. your, your grumblings down and having a positive spirit Musically, or, or as the music director, and what what else? Well, I, if I could say anything else about it, it's just you know leave it to where if you have to leave, make them want you back. Nah. You know, get on the first bench. You know, do do what it takes to make them want you back. Oh, 
you're subbing for Kevin right now, but when he comes back, just right. you know what I mean, right? Or yeah, because sometimes they will overlap, and you got to make a choice. Obviously, the first choice would be well, if this one's paying more than the other. There's so many times I would go out with Diana, and Jeffrey would let me go, mm-hmm. but let me tell you, that chair was waiting for me when I got back. That is important. That's that keeping... all falls into... Not to interrupt you, I'm sorry. No, no. That all falls into what we were discussing earlier about, you know, just be fit in. Fit in. You know, you got, you're, you're like a baseball team in the locker room. You know, the, the Lakers were great for so many years because they had camaraderie. Just example off the top of my head. Right. You know, be a team player. You right. know. I that's, love it. That's all I could really think about. And and man, I mean, subbing out that that is a tricky situation as well because because people are always concerned about losing their position. Right. And I've know. seen it happen. But as long as you're in good graces with the uh, the, the powers that be, so to speak, right. the, that's why that's so important. Right. right. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I would say. So extensive touring uh, experience, and now if you don't mind, let's shift gears. Uh, mm-hmm. The studio experience. Obviously, you started in the studio with George Duke. In that, That's, <laughs> you started at the top, bro. Well, so. <laughs> I don't know about that, but in the '80s and most of the '90s, I, I was probably pretty much a session rat. You know, that's that's when, you know, you would do sessions. There were union sessions. They were they were four labels, so they could send cartage out to pick up all your gear because you know in the old days guitar players we had to bring gear right. you know th- <laughs> many guitars and a couple different amps because they want to find what they're looking for that's now right. obviously that's a whole another conversation right. with the technology we have um, right. uh, something that I want to talk about um, you really covered it pretty well you're very thorough and I appreciate that uh, something that I have, you know, nomads rules of the road, you know, <laughs> rule number one, you yeah. know, so, for what they're worth. Yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> so little things, uh, for instance, you know, nowadays I try not to fly uh, carrying guitars on if I can prevent it because a lot of times it's so difficult, especially there was a good, I want to say a 10 year window where the flight attendants and the gate uh, people there, you know, were real sticklers about that. They just wouldn't allow it. Uh, I have I've had some really bad experiences. With As have I. Yeah. So so that's like a little road rule. So so right. what are some of your little quick road rules that you like to adhere to? Well, I, I will tell you for years, especially when you when you have a guitar tech available on on things, putting your gear in truck. I have flight cases in yes. the shed out back yes. that I would just check. Yep. Um, I'm back to carrying a mono bag, a mono case. I saw it over here. I have yeah. the same one. Love it. And um, yeah, that new one with that rubber boot on the bottom is yeah. fabulous. And it's real sleek. It's sleek. And uh, Paul Jackson Jr. He he has a double mono bag, and he just checks it through the, with the luggage. And he has two of his nice signature model guitars in there. So I'm like going, okay, I'll, that's fine with me. That's trustworthy, yeah. <laughs> and and I carry that, and I go as we spoke about when I saw you in the last show we did together. Um, Right. I'm going direct with a the unit I'm using at this time now is the G, Roland GR55 or the Boss Roland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, so I go direct. It's it's fine. So I can carry both on the plane. But just in case, you never know when you have one of the, like an Eagle Flight, which is a smaller jet. The regionals, yeah. The the overhead's not gonna it's not gonna fit a guitar no matter what case it's in. Precisely. So I I can check that 
Bill Sharp, our bassist, does the same things. We check, gate check them, and they gate come check. back. There you go. And I've done it a million times, and and I put the Paoletti in there too, and I it was fabulous. Right. It was fine. That's so, so funny because I I agree with that. But right. Some people are really afraid of that. I I think if I were to break it down, if I'm gonna do flight cases, it, it's easier when you have somewhat of a crew to help you with that but when you got to do everything on your own that's the reason i started going direct is because right. you know i'm i'm my own tech now pretty much you know so um so i just take everything with me but that's there just me and, and and it works and it works and i think yeah you know i got on a flight just over this weekend actually with a traditional oud player oh yeah and i don't know if you know the shape of an oud but the case is somewhat between a french horn case and a tuba case and it, you know because it's got that big thick head and I it protrudes funny studio. i know very well yeah so you know what an oud of course and your heritage and, yeah well it's delicate because yeah. that headstock can break right off the uh, thus the for a reason for the hard case yeah and you ain't going to check that thing <laughs> so this guy put it up top and i talked to him baggage came i said do they sweat he says you know they used to but they just don't do it anymore they just they've kind of calmed down so maybe that's a trend i'll go with that (laughs) i have experienced that that they've lightened up a bit yeah how about logistically i think like for me uh one of my little quirks is i you know i I understand i can't fly first class and business class and if if i I collect my miles so that's oh always collect your miles because you're doing it for years upgrade or you can take vacations and fly for free yes but one of the things is I have a habit of going on the airlines uh, online on my app or on the computer mm-hmm. and checking just to make sure my seat is cool and everything, you know, mm-hmm. little quirks like that. Um, I do the same thing. Right? I mean, yeah. these are just like little travel hacks, making sure you have your uh, your passenger, your, um, what do you call it, your pre-check, your TSA pre and all that. Got right? the pre- TSA pre in line. That's fat. That, I'll tell you, that is Isn't great. Isn't that amazing? I, I love it. I'll, I'll never yeah. go back. Have you applied for global entry? Uh, some of the guys have. I haven't done it yet. Okay. That really helps, too. When you go in and out of customs. Right. It's quick. Right. So, that definitely helps, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I, I'm going to look into that further, but... I know a lot of, a lot of times people, uh, I, I know other musicians even look at me and like, man, that guy's real anal retentive about the way he does stuff. And it's just part of my thing. I'm the same way, so I don't, I don't, don't see you, that. Right. <laughs> and because we do it for a living... Yeah. It's kind of important, don't you agree? Well, I mean, are you talking about the instrument and the care, uh, just Everything, traveling with the instrument? Just answers? the traveling logistics and, and, and the rules Let me ask you a road. question. Your father, right? Absolutely. I rest my case. There, here you go. <laughs> <Bam>. <laughs> that's it. Just related to that. I think I think that's great. I think that's a great analogy. Right. That's killer. Right. Yeah. Um, so you're you're in the eighties and nineties. Mm-hmm. This is where I fell in love with the idea of being again a career guitarist. I don't even know what that was until just a couple of years ago. Until I kind of wrote I wrote my book it's right. called the Career Guitarist. But right. I always wanted to be that. I was always aspiring to be one. I gotta and, get that book, by the way. Yes, and I'm saying that on the record. Yeah. Oh man, thank you. Uh, well, I will, I will buy it. I, I, oh, yeah. no, you're too kind. No. no. Um, so, you know, Paul Jackson Jr., mm-hmm. Steve Lukather, you know, all my Mike heroes. Landau, these right. are all my heroes, and all your buddies. See, oh. I'm fortunate enough to call a couple of them my buddies, not right. all of them, I don't know them all well. Um, but man, I was living in Florida at the time, moved from New York, I grew up in New York, moved to Florida, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I would always get the guitar player magazines and, and study and study the records the same way you did, and I was just enamored by what these guys did. So, So now, my point is... I was 3,000 miles away. 
you're in LA mm -hmm. and you're doing it. That had to be a whole nother experience on, on another level. A whole experience on another level because from far away, guys like myself were aspiring to do this and man, we, we just dreamed of it. But here, it's in your lap. Yes. And one thing to say about, you know, now with technology, it's a lot easier to work remotely. But here's the thing. A lot of cats that are local have a better chance of staying and getting on, especially the touring situation. Right. Um, you know. Right. And, I've, and that's just something that has just, I, I've just discovered. I don't say it's a general rule. There are cats that... You know, just like famous actresses, they don't want to live in Hollywood or L.A. and they live out in the middle of the country somewhere and they right. fly in and out for their projects. You could do that. Uh, I, me, it's always worked out better to be here. Right. Is right. Uh, is 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 one one comment about that. And then what was the other? Thing I, I agree with that. Like a lot of the guys that I would study under, they would say you got to go where the work. Yeah. Is. Right. Yeah. And 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 it didn't. You know, it was always my. You know, I grew up. I grew up in Northern California, in South Sacramento, small, smallish town. It might be the capital of California, but, but you know, South Sac is, is very rural, at, at least it was when I grew up. So you know, my, when I was in elementary school, it was always my dream to move to the big city, and it was always my dream to move to L.A. So that was already kind of tattooed in my brain gotcha. from a very young age. Um, uh, but it is true, you know... I mean, you know, if you if you want to do musical theater, you got to be on Broadway. You That's know, right. I right. mean, it's it, it it is it is location based. I will tend to agree with that. It is right. Yeah. So once you're here, though, and mm -hmm. you're in it, what was that experience like being a session cat in the '80s and '90s? You know, because you're rubbing elbows with these cats that you've always well. At, fir at first, it was pretty scary because I, uh, you know, I. I I had doubts about myself. Oh my God, are they never going to call me back? Am I going to fuck this up? Or, you know, are they going to replace my track with somebody great? You know, and and um, so at first it was nerve wracking. But then, you know, I I, I don't know what it was, but I, I maybe I just had my father in me. It just his advice: just pay attention, just pay attention, see how see how the landscape is operating. You know. Don't play too much, you know. Don't don't try to come in there and press anybody. Anybody try to come in there and play what they're looking for. That's right. You know, and um, and then of course you know listening to a lot of records coming up, I was always honed in on how guitar parts fit the song yes. versus playing a just great guitar on a recording. Mm. I think there's somewhat of a difference, and I learned very quickly that making records is vastly different than being a great guitar player and not getting any work for that reason you know what i mean i mean you know th you there's there's cats that can't play like landau or steve lukather but they're on every record under the sun david williams an example that's right. god rest his soul he was kind of a buddy of mine i got to know later in his life before he passed he played on every freaking Michael Jackson record from the early, him and Paul Jackson Jr. And then when I got to know him, I, I picked his brain. I said, how'd you get this tone? How did you approach this? He said, and he would tell me little stories about, you know, Michael would always be in the studio overseeing everything. If it was guitar overdub day, 
He was there to make sure all the guitar overdubs went down the way he wanted them to go down. Wow. He said my job was to come in and give him the tone he was hearing in his head because he's not a Michael's not a guitar player, so he can't tell you, well, that's a you know, a front pickup strat or Les Paul through, you know, four speaker cabinet yeah, or an old Fender app. You know, I'm looking for this clean sound kind of like on this old Heat Wave song. Okay, there you go. There's my direction. Bam. You know, and he said he would set do things like set up four 4x12 cabinets, mic them both, but only mic, only mic one speaker on the edge from each cabinet, and then take a couple mics and mic them from a distance so he'd get the room sound and get the whole cabinet as well, and they would blend all that through. See, because they had the opportunity to take time to do all that. Can you imagine what the pre, what the, the 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 setup time was at before they actually started? And I'll say it: rolling tape. That's right. <laughs> you know, because all those records were done on tape. That's right. You know, so so David Williams was a mentor. Oh, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, I was like, how in the hell? How fortunate. His tone. Well, yeah, but I mean, I I listened to him more than I knew him. Of course. You know, I just felt blessed that you know before you know it, he's staying in the same hotels and and. You know, I just would introduce myself. Yeah. You know, and 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 you, you know, I was like, oh, we're, you're playing with Diana Ross, and he says, yeah, yeah, and he was out with Michael. You know, we did a lot of like when we'd be in Europe, we'd always somehow be in the same hotels. Sure. It was kind of crazy, but anyway, so he started telling me how he did that. But you listen to those old records, yeah. just like I'll use another example: the old Eagle records. Ah. The guitar work on that, it's like they must have sat down for a year and just kept finding and seeking and looking for those parts. Because some of those, uh, not to interrupt you, but some of those songs have a million guitar parts in there and they're placed all over the place. I swear you're inside my head. I think well, about this all the time. How the hell did they do it? Exactly. And that's and that captivated uh, me. Same. Yeah. And we could yeah. just sit here and... Oh yeah, yeah. We we already knew that. Ages. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's so funny you say that. Speak on that, if you will. Expound into the creative process on how you think. How the hell did they get records so amazing and these little hooky parts and all the parts work and, together? And 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 to add to that, that's that's what made a really good song or a really good record was the craft of making the record not coming in there and impressing everybody with your chops or with what you know or whatever do fit in fit into the land yet again i'll go back to it fit in with the song fit in with the landscape do what's asked for but remember that you're they asked you to be there so still be you i mean i know that seems like a weird equation to put together but if you can somehow naturally feel that when you just, you know, there's something about scoping out a room when you walk into it, right? Well, session-wise, that's kind of, that's how these guys work so much is because they're able to do that. It's like if somebody puts a chart in front of you, okay, and, you know, a lot of these great guitar players, you know, that... You know, they read when they're doing sessions, but they'll turn around and tell you, I'm not the greatest reader. I right. said, well, how the hell did you get through that chart in such a short time? He says, well, I just take it a piece at a time. Right. I take the first two bars, if it's, you know, a row of 16th notes or whatever, I, I scope it out. I find out the position, what string it is. I go next, 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 next. And then before you know it, 10 minutes later, I'm putting it together. Right. And I'm like, okay. Right. Okay. That's the same way here. I'm okay. guilty. Guilty as charged. Yeah, I mean, because guitar is one of the hardest instruments to read music on because you can play one note in different places. So, so which way do you go? Do you go vertically or do you go horizontally? You know what I mean? 
And that's a choice you have to make. Uh, what's his name? Dean Parks. Yes, tell me. I love Fabulous. The, the, We're all that ears. guy. I love Dean. Tell me. Oh, he. I, I got to, a long time ago. This is back in the late 80s. I got to sit in on a couple sessions. He was there. And it was just guitar overdub. Uh, I don't even remember who it was for. How about that? But I remember sitting in the control room, and he's out in the in the live room. He's got a couple of mics placed in front of him at different places. He has this old beat-the-fuck-up Martin acoustic steel string guitar. But the fucking tone. And he was playing with his fingers. Yeah. No pick. But he had nails. So he had that, that sound that a skin and nail makes on a steel string acoustic. There's a, there's a thing of, of that. That's why I have nails. Yeah, exactly. There's a thing about that. And his tone, I mean, I, I just was pissing myself because his tone was just so good. And, you know, he, he had a piece in front of him, and I could tell they were looking for parts. Yeah. And, you know, he had the uncanny ability. Once he had the chart, he knew the chart. Basically, all he was getting, I remember this, all he was really taking from the chart was the melody. Mm. But this was a vocal tune. It was for some God. Who was the singer? It was anyway. I'll, it'll probably come to me after you turn the machine, turn the, the mic off. But anyway, um, so once he had the melody down, he started playing around with it. Then he started putting harmonies under. It. Then before you know it, it turned into some kind of chord pattern that he was finger picking. And the whole time they're recording him, so they have different versions of a part that will go in the same place in the tune. Whether it be the first 16 bars, the first verse, whether they're on the chorus. I mean, I, that's so long ago, I can't specifically remember, but just use that as a guideline. And, you know, before you know it, when at the end of the day, I remember I must have stayed there for five hours until they, until they were done. You know, and I was like, I was lucky I had the, the freedom to do that. And, um, you know, they had many different takes and versions of the same part of the song they were recording on. That way, they can go back and pick and choose. So, I learned very early on that it's better to have and not need than need and not have. You know, when it comes to putting, give them more than they're actually going to want. You know, I, I and I remember I, I got into the habit, especially with George, he says, yeah, that, that sounds good, Kevin, we'll keep that part. I said, let me just do another one just for laughs. And, and that was my way of just sneaking in another thing that they could pick from on the same <laughs> part. Right. You know. Now that is what makes up a studio rat. That whole concept. These, these are the little pieces that you put together to make up the anatomy of a studio player. And to, and to, to construct a, a, a song that... A proper song. A proper song that you know, because at the time you're you're wearing the pressure of okay, this has got to be on the radio. This is not going to be on somebody. Well, there were no iPhones then, so right, right. this is not going to be in somebody's pocket. This is going to be over the air. So once it's down, it you got to live with it. That's and can I mean I remember I used to hear stories from back in the days like God I should have played that part better you know uh, I, I I oh I, what an uncomfortable <laughs> feeling <laughs> can you imagine hearing yourself on the radio go God that so sucks why did I fix that you know thank God you're in the studio you get the chance but yeah if you don't redo it I can imagine man mm -hmm. I spent uh, a good eight years in Nashville doing quite a bit of session work that was like my main stint in Nashville. 
Uh, when I that's how I. That's where you get those chops. Yeah, yeah. Well, because it's I can relate to all. That's these guitar chops. heaven. This is guitar heaven, but I wasn't the country guy. I was the R and B Latin. Doesn't matter. Pop guy. Yeah, yeah. So it was perfect. But studying Dean Parks and, and, and Paul Jackson, yeah. guys like yourself and Dave Williams, all the greats. Um, this is where you learn these these little bits of information, and when you go in, you are there to facilitate the producer and the artist. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And, and that's what makes up a great studio guy. You said it, uh, it's better to, you know... Have, have and not it, need. Yeah, and then need and not have. not have. Yeah. And then the other thing you said is, look, I'm not here to show you my chops. I'm here to enhance the song. Yeah. You know. And that could be just a little part that'll be buried in the background. You wouldn't even know it's there. But, you know... If you take it away, that little percolation, that effect that it's having on the track is gone. So you know something's missing, you just can't put your finger on it. See, that that's the little details that are... And that's one of the biggest nuances I feel about rhythm guitar, like you said earlier. Mm -hmm. Especially as it applies to R&B and funk, don't you think? Yes. It's like funk is all about space, right? Absolutely. This is Jeffrey's new record. Just came out. He just gave me a copy in Baggage Claim over the weekend. Wow, that's awesome. And if you'll see, me and Bill Sharp are on every cut, and there's guitar everywhere. And the way that Tommy Vicari ended up mastering that record, because he did all Jeffrey's hits, hit solo records back in the day, and the treatment he did with the guitar, and and just how it's still really there, prominent in the mix, I'm really proud of that. Yeah. And... um but I learned a lot doing that project with Jeffrey. You know, he got a deal on Mac Avenue Records, just a short story, and uh, Mac Avenue told him, we want you to compose everything and produce it yourself. And that's what he did. That's, because I know Face wanted to write something for him. Yeah. And he actually submitted a couple things. Yeah. And then when we saw you guys at, in Chicago not too long ago, did that show together, you know, Jeffrey, he said they hung out the whole time before you guys went on. Right. Before we went on, actually, and um, uh, so uh, you know that connection is obviously still there. But right. that was the deal with that. I, I can't wait. I'm going to download it today. I think you can, yeah, and, yeah. and yeah, I'm I'll sure. make sure you have this. Yeah. But one of the things I'm, I'm really just it just touches me is at the end and the special thanks he gave special thanks to me and Bill for all of our input. Wow. That was like a childhood dream for me to have that on an album. Well, see, I still call them records. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Kevin Chokan, and I'm a career musician. Nomad is the career musician. In this podcast, we highlight interviews with other industry professionals, providing insight and practical wisdom for the next generation of aspiring career musicians. Help us continue to provide you with new and engaging content by getting our ratings up. Please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the Career Musician on Apple Podcasts. Have your questions answered on Q&A Sundays using hashtag AskNomad. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. 
Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, <laughs> oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash Pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash Pantheon. So it's rare that uh, just for some for some people who may not know, it's rare that you would be a road guy and a studio guy for the same artist. That doesn't always happen. Especially, no, it doesn't. Especially back in the '80s and '90s when there was, the studio was its own thing. You know, right. it was like you had your studio cats and your road cats. Right. Nowadays, it's it's more blurred lines. Let me let me let me let me just say one thing about that and Jeffrey Osborne. I've known Jeffrey Osborne for a number of years now. Well, like 23 years, going on 23 years. And he is one of the classic singers of our time that is still here. Mm -hmm. He is in excellent physical shape and an excellent, excellent physical voice. He is one of the loyalist people I know. He is a fellow musician. You know, he doesn't act like an artist if i may use that word i'm quoting if you could get a visual with my fingers so you know i mean i i play golf with them you know what i mean and you know i've done many records with him before i probably I think this is probably the seventh record i've actually done with him mm. but mac avenue is a is a is a label that has appeared now after all the you know the record companies and everything that whole landscape changed after the whole studio landscape changed hell the whole record store landscape changed so after the rubble is all there yeah, now the, the rubble is settled there's smoke is still kind of fizzing a little bit but you know there are companies that look we'll you know we'll give you a deal but that we want you to do everything and you know yeah. Jeffrey's got a great studio at his house yeah. and we did everything there and I learned a lot. Uh, working with him as a producer. I mean, we did bass tracks where Bill would record three different tracks and maybe one track would just have a, you know, where he's snapping the string with his first finger, just in between what he's doing. So when it comes time for the mix, they have all that separate. Because a lot of times, if you do all that together on one track, something might be hotter than the other, something might sound not fat enough, and that could, EQ-wise, that could drive you nuts trying to spike all, just those little hits every time. And they're not going to happen in the same place. So now you have the randomness, you have the separation, and we did the same thing with guitar. 
Like when you hear this, there's freaking guitar everywhere. I can't wait. And the way Tommy kept it and treated it and put it all in there, I, I'm, I'm just, oh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm so happy with it. That is awesome. Yeah, and so oh. um, I forgot what we were Man, talking it about. Matter. That's what I'm saying. Like my my uh, my usual questionnaire sheet is out the window because oh, does it? no, because everything you're saying is so informative and and so. Uh, you know, methodical. I love it, and, and your stories are, are, are endearing. Um, I can't help but selfishly, I'm sitting here just saying, "Oh my gosh, me too. Oh my gosh, I swear we're brothers. Oh my gosh, I love this one." Well, guy. But, but, I, I can't. That's help fabulous. But love you. Like, no, no, I just no. Feel like, no, our paths are so similar, and yes. I feel like, and I'm going to put this on record as well. I want you to be my mentor. <laughs> no, no, we'll be guitar much. buddies, man. We no, got a man. lot to learn. I want, I want to. I'll put this on record. I want you to come in here and do some two guitar stuff with me. Let's I can do, do I can do eight guitar stuff all myself. But yeah. here's the here's here's the trick to that. It's all me. I want other guys. Can you talk you know? about chemistry, please? You just said. Okay, here's a little thing about you. Do you know Morris O'Connor? Guitar. Plays with Earth, Wind, and Fire. Absolutely. He used to live right around the corner. He could walk to my house. I love Morris. What a sweetheart. But, you know, years ago he moved to Vegas. It's probably at least 10 years ago. Okay. But he used to walk over here all the time with his then younger son. And we were we were guitar buddies, and he would come in here and we would diddle around. And it's kind of before I really had everything set up. So we would we, we record a little bit, but now I'm, I mean, I got this, everything, I'm dialed in, yeah. And um, so. I missed that. So now 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 you're my new guy to come over here and we'll do the two guitar thing because <laughs> at the at the urging of my my parents, my dad's 91 and my mom's 88 and they're still God bless them. They're still spry. And they're going, "Kevin, where's your record? Kevin, where's your record?" And I've been putting stuff. I got a lot of stuff in the can here. You got to do it. But one of my things is I want two real separate individual guitar players on things that's one of the things i'm shooting for I so i i you know i spoke to paul jackson about doing some things and i'm going to definitely speak to you about doing some okay. things and since uh now that we've we've got this established i expect you to be over here a lot more often than absolutely than I, this <laughs> i will be your guitar buddy and i will be seeking career advice and life advice. oh I, <laughs> <laughs> That's just age, man. That, that, let me tell you, man. It's something about I'm telling you in 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 this, this day and age, the information technology age. Yeah. There's there's something lacking. What's lacking? Human connection, human interaction. Yes. Oh. And oh. I, yeah. I miss it. You know, and you don't go. I have a little studio similar to this, and I'm in there every day working on. I'm composing my little cues, or I'm doing a session here and there. I'm producing music for my wife and I, and. But it's all by myself, it's and it's like, it's like, ah, oh, it's frustrating. You want to? That was one know. of the. That was one of the things that was so great about doing Jeffrey's record because he always wanted to record me and Bill Sharp together. Oh, so it would be, you know, our front of house guy Scott Weatherspoon, who I'm, I know you met before. Yes, yes, yes. He was out there. That's the, right. And and Scott was engineering, and it was Jeffrey, me, and Bill. You know, sitting in front of the console and go. just hacking away. Okay, try this, try that, try this, try that. Okay, what do you think about it? You know, just that, that trial and error, because you have the freedom to do that. I love that. But I really took something home with me on that. And and what the, that, that is, is I love having my room here to... I mean, I can walk in here at midnight and stay up here till 5 in the morning and not piss anybody off. That's right. And just do my thing. Yeah. And go, oh, 
okay, it's getting light outside. I think I should sleep now. Right. You know, but there's something to be said for having somebody like you sitting right where you're sitting with a guitar on your lap, plugged in, and less honing in on eight bars at a time. A vibe, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The the one of the things I I happened to acquire the knowledge about after I spent so many of my younger years studying was the two guitar trick that Earth, Wind, and Fire always had. If you remember those old records, there's two things I vividly remember. Guitars were placed separate of each other. Mm -hmm. One guy was always on one side, the other guy was always on the other. So their parts were thought out. Listen to That's the Way of the World. Mm. Or listen to Shining Star. Or uh, what are some other examples uh, off the top of my head? Oh, Shining Star, that's the way the world is perfect, and the Eagles just like you just. All oh, well, Eagles had like three it's, guitar players. It's actually, the same thing. One's rock. They're, one's they're placed. R&D. It's perfect. But though. what they always perfect. did is one, and, and and I'm speaking of the Earth, Wind, and Fire days. One guy had a humbugger type guitar, the, uh, a la a Les Paul. Uh, or, the or, other, or a three thirty five, like, like Al McKay. Al McKay. The other guy had. The other end, which, as we, you and I know, is the Strat Telly family. There you go. You see what I'm saying? Ah. You see my hollow bodies over there. I love it, bro. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's so it's it's, it's a lost art form. Let's speak about gear briefly. Okay, absolutely. Technology has changed so much. Oh, And yes. you are definitely a maverick. You're not going to let that shit get away from you. You said, man, get your analog pedal board out of here. We were on that date together. Yeah. You looked at my <laughs> I monster. I was just flipping you shit, monster, though, you know. <laughs> analog pedal board. Now, pedal boards are back in like they're in vogue. You know, they're oh, they hip, are. The, you know? the boutique yeah. pedals the boutique. are in abundance. Strymon, JHS, the list goes on. You know, Earthquaker yeah. devices, wall, everybody. Oh, Wamplers. Oh, I can't shit. get enough of pedals. I, I love it. I, I love it. Right? Yeah. Are you kidding me? I love I it. But practicality yes. dictates something different. Yeah. So I love the fact that you're bringing the digital board. And guess what you finally got me to do, bro? What? I I leave. Don't say plugins. I go. No, no. <laughs> I go. Because <laughs> I love those. I, right. I love them too. I, they, everything has its use. I'm going to do a, a, a couple dates with Face uh, the top of May. Yeah. And I'm bringing my Line 6 Helix. And ah. that's all I'm bringing. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, here's see, and my, you have my line six right there. There you go. I didn't have room for it. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, and I do the You're going to love I that. Take my yeah. pedal boards, I put them on my desk in the studio yeah, so yeah, I can yeah. work yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to. Line six, yep. left and right out. Yep. I'm using the Helix, the new Helix. I love the Helix. Yeah. It's fabulous. And it's built to do that. It's built. It's built to do that. You have you have line out and in choi- input XLRs. choices in there. Yes. XLR, the whole ball of wax. That's awesome. Um, I recommend using DIs. Yes. Oh, definitely. Um, to warm it up a bit. Yeah, it just gives it, you know, you yeah. But that's fabulous. Wrap your head around it. You'll love it. it. Uh, I'll give you one little bit. A lot of times you can sit in your your room or your in your studio and program the shit out and go, okay, that's fabulous. But when you get it out mm. in the real world situation, I tended to find I always had a little. Too, it was a little too fat. In other mm. words, I had a little too much bass. Yep. So don't. Don't be afraid to understand that when you get out to the gig side of your programming, yeah. you might have to make some tweaks. Thus, it will behoove you to kind of know 
how to get in there and grab that. Absolutely, and that's you know? what I spent this past week and a half doing. Yeah, so. get your favorite patches up. I, I, I usually go for the three kings, clean, crunch, and dirty. Woo! You know what I mean? And then anything else from there. And then pretty, like a lush one. Well, my lush one would be delays. my tri-chorus type thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and then I always have the option for different delays and things. Thank one you. thing, front of house guys, we love the stereo panning delays, yes. especially in headphones. But in a live situation, they want it down the middle. Mm. That's one thing I learned, but that might just be our guy. Yeah. But uh, so I put in those options as well. It's so funny because I was telling my FOH guy uh, and Droke, because Droke was prompting me to do oh. this as well. Uh, oh, know, to go direct? To, to, well, no, to do stereo. I was like, yeah, but yeah. you let me go stereo so I can do all my fancy delays. Right. And they looked at me like, we'll see about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, see, because, I and you understand what they're saying, it oh, can get, get it. messy, and then, like, you're, yeah. ste you're stepping on them. You I know what it. I mean? Yeah. Well, because they no longer have control of exactly. the, the mix. Yeah. 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 Um, all right, so that, that aspect is, is wonderful as far as pedals go. Uh, Guitar-wise, um, you have a beautiful collection. And, uh, you know, I think somebody asked me the other day if you could only pick one type of guitar. One type? For me, it was Telly's. Uh, what is it for you? My, I have a very quick answer. It would be a Strat type. Strat, see? Uh, it, when I was growing up, it was always a hollow body. It was always... Yeah. I Either that 150 or that 335, which are both very old. I'd take those on the road with me when I came here. I played clubs with those growing up. I was always the hollow body guy bending 13s, nice. right? But I was young then. I could do it. Uh, <laughs> now it hurts. Stevie Ray Vaughan guy, man. Well, yeah. I don't know. Well, you know, tone, right? Yeah, he was playing the heavy gauge. Oh, I know he was. Yeah, yeah, that's how he got that that sound. But, yeah, the answer is uh, a Strat to me, or a Strat type guitar. To me, uh, physically it's comfortable. Uh, uh, Tone-wise, in a live situation it covers all your bases i mean you can get a nice play with your thumb jazzy sound clean octave type thing you can get a lush you know in between the pickups chorusy delay thing you can get a balls to the wall you know david gilmore That's situation right. happening yeah. i mean you kind of have everything there um i did leave out a les paul because i always i always Love Les Pauls. I actually don't have one, but Bassa built me. I have two of them. This is one of them. And we designed, I, I helped them design this. Um, mm. This this is actually a Strat and a Les Paul put in one box. That's cool. Thus, all the mini switches, right? Mm. It's, you know, these turn into single coils. This will turn into a single coil and, and all the combinations. So this guitar will sound like a Strat or it will sound like a nice Les Paul. I use this and the white one on Jeffrey's record a lot for all the rhythm stuff because it sounds great uh -huh. plugged into an SSL channel or a knee channel, just straight wow. in, right? Nice. So, um, but, I, you know, the question, and in my mind, too, you have to pick one. Les Paul, Strat, I gotta go with the Strat because it just seems... See, Les Paul is nice and fat, Yeah. and I love fat, but when you put the pickup selection where you're using both pickups, if you, on a Strat, put it, you know, like you got five positions, you put it on the second one where you've got the uh, blend of both, you get that silvery thing. That skank is perfect. Yeah, and you know what? Oh. That, it, it, that's, yeah. that, that's, to me, that's more useful. Yeah. In the situation I'm in, that's scandalous. Playing, yes, and playing rhythm guitar, yeah, and on R&B bass type stuff, and it cuts. 
I find yes. that that register, that they, the Strat, I think that's why it became such the... Well, and, and you see them everywhere. I mean, you know, is, you yeah. get spare guitars from backline companies at festivals yeah. or whatever shows. Yeah, yeah. There's always Strats there. Cool. You rarely see Les Pauls. Well, they perfect. don't even bring Les Pauls. Perfect. When we do your, your cut off your album, I'll play Telly, you play Strat. Oh, I, I've already got it all. For, it's already structured in my mind. That is awesome. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Man, wrapping this up, Kevin. Okay. This, is, this has been a pleasure. Last Absolutely. Thing, last a couple little points here. You said you're the musical director as well. Uh, I, for Diana. For Diana. Yeah. I find myself in the same position with Babyface. Right. What are some of the, the business acumen advice you have? Uh, you mean uh, uh, musically or just... Uh, just on the business side. How to conduct yourself in a business situation. Contracts, phone calls, emails, etc. One thing. One thing. Always remember and never forget that they've given you the position to be the boss. And being the boss, I'm using that as a wide phrase. When I was music director, I was working with some fabulous players, Walt Fowler, Albert Wing, John Pena, Mark Stevens, Jerry Brown. I mean, these are kind of players that I don't want to tell them, no, don't play it like that, play it like this. I don't want to say that to right, them. Right. But I learned very early on, if nobody says anything, it gets messier than it needs to be. Mm. So you need, you need to take charge, and you need to, uh, you need to understand that if that's how you're hearing it, it's probably, it, it, well, 98% it's correct already because you, you're already tuned into the artist. You're answering to the artist. You're just the middleman. And you got you got to make sure he, he gets what he gets, even if you disagree with it. So when it comes time to directing traffic with the musicians, mm -hmm. tell them what needs to happen. Don't let them talk you into what they think is better. You you understand what I'm saying? Well said. And that and that took me that took a minute for me to, to come upon that. But I'll tell you what, when I came upon that, everything ran smooth as fucking glass. That's right. That's right. What about if you have some uh, personality conflicts? How do you deal with that? I think the first thing is to kind of put yourself in the middle of it, have a chat. Yeah. One on one. And if that goes fairly well, and you can settle some dust that way, the three of you have a chat. Excellent. You know, uh, it's 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 not hard to get cats to shake hands. It really isn't. You just have to communicate. You just got to communicate. That's yeah, I could. That's my yeah. Goal yeah. Rule, and you know what? If if you if you really if you really think about it, that's another feather in your cap. Mm -hmm. You know, because there is a bit of a negotiator type vibe to that slot to that position. Sure. You know. A, a, a great band will always have a really good leader. You know, uh, Lenny Kravitz is a great leader of his band. Mm. There's a movie I saw on Netflix where he they document a tour he did just maybe two years ago, very recent. And one of the things he was very adamant, because he's a musician himself, a very good musician. That's right. Plus, he's writing everything. 
So he knows how he wants the shit to sound. And one of the things he stressed, okay, which I know you'll come up with as an MD, is he stresses for the parts that are on the record. That's right. All artists will do that. They could be the dipshittiest little thing that you don't want to play or some fabulous player in the band doesn't thinks it's beneath him. Yeah. Okay, so be it. It's beneath you, but that was, that's what needs to happen. So you need to ha grab a hold of that type of, of leading and say, this is what we're going to do. And before you know it, they, they forget about it. You know, right. after rehearsal, how much right. they hate it. It sounds good. And the artist is happy. We all know when the artist is happy, it trickles down everywhere else. Amen to that. Yeah. How about correspondence when you, uh, communication, you know, uh, nowadays with so many apps, I find it's a little frustrating at times for me when people are communicating to me on several different platforms, yeah. Instagram, Facebook. I would rather communication take place via phone or texting or voicemail and emails. Right. Do you agree with that? Now, are you talking about when you're on the road or, or, or in business. general? Being on the road and just having fun is one thing, but for business... I find that it's best to do my business interaction with email and phone calls. That seems to be the way it's going, and, and let's not forget about video calls as well. Right. It right. seems nowadays the convenience of texting and emailing is just another form of texting, honestly. Right. It's, right. it's You're not speaking to somebody, and you can, you can get yourself in a situation without ruffling any feathers. Right. Oh, did I call you at a bad time? You're changing the baby's exactly. diapers. Exactly. I got to call yeah. you back. And then 10 minutes later, you forget that you even got That's the call right. because the baby's crying and it's yeah. hungry. And I mean, you know, let's go on and on and on about that. Yeah. Th that can be messy. So, yeah, I, I think uh, text and email is great. One thing I discovered, there's an app now that's really good uh, called Master Tour. Droke knows about that. I'm we sure you guys it. use it. We use it. It's amazing. That, that's fabulous. Um, we... Uh, in, in, with Jeffrey's situation, we just do group texts. Group text, yeah, that's right. That's fine. One Absolutely. blast goes out. Everybody knows. Everybody, everybody responds. You know, we even got to the point now where where we respond with the instrument icon that we play. That's right. I started responding with just a guitar right. because I know my name is on it, right? And then before you know it, there's a snare drum, there's another guitar, there's a microphone, there's a keyboard. It's you know funny how these apps brought us back down. Well to but but senses. but it's quick. It's you don't quick. have to sit there and type a sentence. Yes, I got it. I will yeah. see you at four. Or microphone. Send. You know what I mean? I usually do a little rock Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I love it. I, I, you know, I remember when that first started happening, cats would go, oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not an icon user. I want to type. I said, oh, well, fair enough. You know, I'm, I'm getting it done with just an icon. So <laughs> go over there and grumble in the corner. because <laughs> Time to time, I have people hit me up on Instagram or Facebook, and you know what? It's a shame, but I never get those messages because I'm not on there checking messages. Right. You know. Right. So, so I do think in a business email. Setting, I but I would say email, not to interrupt you, email and text. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree, and that's I think that's what I was fishing for. If I could push you for an answer, I don't know why I did. That. No, no, no. That that, that <laughs> everybody does email and text before yeah. anything else. Not everybody gets on. See, in the old days, it was like not everybody checks their emails. Right. But. Everybody yeah, checks their text because you get it right then and there. Beep, beep. Well, there you are. Yeah. What do you what's want? What's your stance on responding to a gig request? How quickly? What's your time frame? I, ASAP. That's right. If I'm, I mean, I'm, I might get something during the middle of a sound check. Mm -hmm. Well, I can, 
while they're getting a test check in the snare, I'll take that 30 seconds and respond. There you go. I always, I made it a happy habit very early on. If I'm in front of my phone, okay, and they know I'm reading the text, and if I can sit there and type a response, I'll just do it. That's right. Number one, I won't forget about it. That's right. Number two, it comes right back to them. And, and you know, that's carrying yourself. This is protocol, man. Yeah. It's, it's Respond. Do not be aloof. Don't, don't be aloof. Don't do that. Thank you. I'm just saying. Thank you. Thank you. I, I needed it to come from somebody else's mouth other than mine. Yeah. So. No, I... I, I, I don't want to be the dead horse. People look, it, I, get, I, I will tell you, I get shit for responding immediately to text <laughs> and being the first one at the airport. That's right. You know what? Feed me that shit. Robert, I'll take it. <laughs> if, if the flight's at 7, I leave the house at 4.30. Oh, oh yeah. And, 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 and now it's turned in... Now it's turned in... Well, if Kevin's not here before the rest of us, we think something's wrong. Something's wrong. That's right. The gate changed, the flight is delayed, something happened. Yeah, yeah. Where, where, he yeah. should be here. He's always here 18 so, hours early. Where is he? Per- you know? Dude, we're the same person. This yeah. is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. I, I, shit, man. I, You know, with status on the airlines, you know, we fly American Airlines all the time. Not, the, right. plug, so, not yeah. the plugged in, but they, everybody flies American. So, you know, Admiral's Club is my friend at, on these early flights. Shit, I go sit down, have breakfast, get online, check email, do my little do's and don'ts. I deal with people on the other side of the planet who are 8 to 10 hours ahead, so that's perfect time to reach out to them. Paoletti Guitars being one of them. These are you know. little gig hacks that, you know, are really useful and important. Yeah, they they are. You might not think, oh yeah, I'll call them later. And yeah. see that that what that that to me is a kiss of death because you'll fucking forget about it. That's right. I I would forget about That's it. That's right. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll take it. responsibility for that. Favorite food. My favorite food. Yeah. Right now, I have to say a really good veggie burger. No uh, favorite movie. Fa- oh, oh, you're digging deep because I can't land on Just one. Just one of many. One of many. The documentary I just saw on Keith Richards. Favorite TV show? One of many. Man, I don't really watch network television anymore, I hate to say. So my, fav- my favorite TV show would have to be Two and a Half Men. Favorite pastime, other than music? Cooking. Favorite types of food to cook? Lots of things green. Lots of things green. Love it. Favorite sport? Favorite sport? Oh, golf. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can even watch that shit on TV, believe it or not. Really? <laughs> I find that ultra boring. <laughs> well, I see. I put it on and you no sound. Probably working. Yeah, 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 when I'm just sitting there. I don't even pay attention. But it's, I noticed you have a, a bicycle. Oh, yes. I'm a big cyclist. So yes. you go out? Oh, yeah. All the time. So what's your average mileage that you rack up in the morning? Well, uh, Balboa Park, as you know, is just right down. I can ride to it. And if you go around one time, it's about 10-ish miles. So a good day would be going around twice and then coming back. If I go around once, I could be back at the house in an hour. That's beautiful. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, okay, like, for instance, you coming over today at a particular time, I have my morning to get all that shit out of the way. There you go. I even hit the music store this morning to buy some extra guitar stands for that and some other guitars in the house. Nice. So, so um, nice. yeah, so, you know, one of the great things about cycling is I could just put on my cycling gear, 
go out and even if I only ride for a half hour, 45 minutes, it's still it's still done. It's and nice. I like, you know, I, I love the, the treadmill and the bike at the gym, but there's something about being out. And that park is great because you're out of traffic and it's beautiful. Yeah. That's so. your piece. That's, I do a lot of thinking out there. That's right. Thinking of chord changes that when I come back half the time I go, okay, wait a minute, I must have had an extra finger in my mind because I can't play that chord, you know, <laughs> out of weight. <laughs> That's awesome. Kevin, this has been amazing. Great, man. I'm so glad amazing. you came over, Absolutely. bro. I don't even remember how it came together, but it came together because I just decided not to bail, just to hang on. It's yeah. going to get a little rough right now. Right, right, right. Turbulence. Turbulence. <laughs> no, I hate turbulence. <laughs> yeah, but you get through it, right? You get through it. Six hours later, you're laying in bed in your hotel room and going, what the fuck? Yeah, you know, I'm here. I'm here. Follow The Career Musician on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on the latest news and tips from the world's leading musicians. Binge previous seasons of the Career Musician Podcast and subscribe for all new episodes. Culminating a lifetime of experience, Nomad is the Career Musician. Stream the Career Musician Podcast, highlighting interviews with other industry professionals, providing insight and strategies for a sustainable career for the next generation of aspiring career musicians. Download, subscribe, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Hi, I'm Kevin Chokan, and I'm a career musician. And you're listening to the Career Musician Podcast with my friend, my homie, Nomad. I'm just a nomad, nowhere man. Writing the songs in this one man band. I know man. This is Nomad, host and creator of the Career Musician Podcast, and I am thoroughly stoked to be an official member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Pantheon Podcast Network is the first of its kind as an all-music-based podcast collective. Please be sure to check us out at pantheonpodcast.com for more info. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship. The studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. 
I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.